It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Football Social Daily. With German Doner Kebab. Try the new KCAL Kebab only from German Doner Kebab. Hello, happy Friday. This is the last Football Social Daily of the week before we get stuck into previewing the weekend's footballing action. That's tomorrow morning. Click subscribe to the podcast now and you'll get that podcast as soon as it's ready. I'm Jim Salverson and picking over the stories from today's back pages alongside me is the only man to swim the length of the Mersey and climb the Liver Building in one afternoon. The pride of Merseyside, Steve McNaughton. Oh, that's very <laughs> candid, Jim. Right. That's kind of some introduction. You haven't done a Friday for a while. We go I'm all out not, with the introductions I've not been on, on Friday. For, uh, it's nearly two weeks since I was on. Too busy um, climbing the library building. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, it's good to be back and uh, in, in the studio with you guys. And next to Steve McNaughton, we've got the man who didn't just kiss the Blarney Stone, but who dated it for several months before plucking up the courage to ask the Blarney Stone to marry him, and it resulted in many years of happy stone-based wedded bliss and a whole family of Blarney pebbles. It is the professor, Virgil <laughs> Brennan. Hello. I don't know if that was racist or not, actually. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'm a big fan of the intros. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by all this. How Irish are you exactly? Because you, you look quite Irish, but you don't sound Irish, and I know you follow uh, the Irish it's, it's, team. it's the accent that's died off over the years. Were um, you born in Ireland? Yeah. Okay. It's died off over the years. Right, let's get on to the footballing action. So on today's podcast, it was a ball ache for Solskjaer in Belgium as he pulled out the terrible excuses and blamed the football as Manchester United put in an embarrassing away display at Club Bruges in the Europa League. It was better news for Wolves and Arsenal who picked up wins in their games. We'll pick over the action from the Europa League shortly. And is Raheem Sterling flirting with Real Madrid? Could he be the first rat to desert the sinking ship of Manchester City. And don't have a go at me for that. I'm not I'm not calling Raheem Sterling. Sometimes these just write themselves, I, don't I, they? I'm using it as like a metaphor. For You'll notice how Steve's City. not defending Raheem Sterling for that. <laughs> anyway, we'll talk about that very soon as well. We'll also get some fancy football advice from the guru if you need some fancy football tips. We'll have the guru Kieran here later with all your fancy football advice. But let's kick off for the, with the Europa League. And Manchester United doing what they do best and following up an impressive win with an embarrassing display. This time it was against Club Bruges, who I don't think it's fair, unfair to say you would have expected Manchester United to pick up a win last night against Club Bruges. No, I don't think you would. And the comment that you made at the beginning that Solskjaer blamed the football, I think Manchester United fans would have also been blaming the football, just not the physical round thing <laughs> they were trying to kick into the goal. Um, 
it wasn't really that surprising, no. Uh, well, I think it was surprising. Really? I yeah, mean, I would have expected a win there because I mean, I know Club Bruges are running away with the Belgium league and they've won it sixteen times, or whatever yeah. it is. They've got an amazing face, but it's still the Belgium league. You'd still expect Manchester United to be able to get a result. But that's still the Manchester United that we're we're still trapped in thinking that Manchester United are that yeah. on a European stage due to the experience they've got and the the kind of status they've got, they'll always get a result. And yeah, you're right in saying that Club Bruges are the outright Belgian champions, blah, 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 blah. But United's star has dropped so much that mm. I actually think a draw at the start of the game, you know, to borrow an old cliche, I don't know if you've still got the bell, is... Um, Hang on. Prob- Solskjaer probably... the desk, got it now. Solskjaer <laughs> would have taken a draw if you'd given some... He would have, he honestly, honestly would have. And they played better in the second half, but the goal came about from a Club Bruges mistake, a throw-in that just bounced and fell kindly. Mm. Martial ran on and finished it. I don't think this would have been two beyond the realms prior to kickoff. I think United are doing okay at the minute, but this is their level. And, you know, Arsenal, which we'll get onto in a minute, are in a similar situation. Mm. This is their level. Europa League may be a little bit better. So I don't think it was that much of a surprise. Very, very simple goal that Manchester United conceded as well. It was proper route one football, should have been defended and a mistake that led to the goal in the end. It's the kind of thing that you'd expect a Premier League team to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. But it's just systematic of what's going on at United, isn't it? And the... I mean, we talk about Tottenham's erratic form. United are, are really erratic because, you know, that should have been an opportunity last night to carry on the good will after a decent victory at Chelsea. And, you know, I mean, to give Bruges a bit of a credit, you know, they were in the Champions League earlier in the season, weren't they? You know, so they have dropped in. So that's one of the trickier ties, I think, yep. in, in that round. And obviously, former Red Simon Mignolet in goal as well, providing mm. an assist last night, you know. And I just think <laughs> it's it's just problematic of, of what's happening and, you'd always back United to come in, go, go, come out of these games with something like that result last night. And then obviously that clown comes out and starts talking in the media and starts you know blaming the ball and the conditions. Yes, it was wet and it was, it was raining heavily. And it's, no, it's, not it's the, the same for both sides. It's well, the same for both sides and it's, it's quite common in Europe this time of year. Let's talk about that because Solskjaer's got some ribbon for his various ridiculous post-match press conferences that he's made over the course of his Manchester United tenure. The latest one was blaming the ball last night for Manchester United's failure to perform. Here's the full quote. I don't think it was one of the best <coughs> games. We were a bit sloppy concentration-wise and the conditions with the pitch and the ball made the conditions hard. He then said... The ball is different and difficult to play with, but it's the same for two teams. <laughs> so he is kind of recognising that both teams have the same issues with using a football that maybe they're not 100% used to. It's not the same football. Who they made use in the it? Was it a brand called Molten or something like that, was it? Or, or was that the name of the ball? It wasn't like Nike or yeah. anything, was <laughs> like it? We're, we're coming out here like against. I'm going to be pro ball. I'm going to, I'm going to take <laughs> yeah, the I'm ball's pro perspective. Ball. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Come on. Like, come on. It's just, it's ridiculous that he's coming out with these excuses. It was a wet night. It was a difficult game. As Steve said, it wasn't particularly exciting to watch. It was a, a goalkeeper assist for Bruges and it was a mistake for United's goal. That's it. Just take it on the chin. Take it for what it is, which is a difficult away game in Europe that you didn't play particularly well in. And also, Solskjaer's got to carry the can mm-hmm. in terms of his selection. Yeah, Fernandez on the bench. Night, yeah. No Aaron Wan-Bissaka. He's brought in players that he has played in the Europa League in the group stages. Andres Pereira, uh, Diogo Dalot. Like, come on. You're picking this team for a reason and then you can't be expecting to say we'll get a positive result or a win away mm. at a side as Steve said that's just come out of the Champions League when you're dropping players that would be absolute certainties for the Premier League but you know mm. there's these things between the games where the players go onto a pitch and they play games which aren't worth points and they do some training why not use the ball there why not 
get the players if, if it is significantly different and it's going to yeah. impact the performance you, of the that, players you do that all, all day it's like when um, you know there's been World Cups in previous years and you know they added whatever ball Adidas have brought out for the World Cup yeah you know, you get in the camp yeah, England in, in players South in Africa, the past. which was like one of those balls that you get on the beach. Yeah, yeah. it was. <laughs> um, and uh, what was it called? The South African ball. Now it wasn't like a fever nova, was it? I was uh, going to say Zuzuela, but that was the, the that was the Zuzuela. Uh, yeah, it had, yeah, it had some kind of uh, it had some kind name. of net. But you know, England uh, or, and the other teams, they have like the the you know warm up camp with the ball that's going to be used. And so if you're kind of training for the game midweek with a brand of ball that isn't getting used in the Premier mm. League like the Nike ones. Um, just get used to it and handle it. You know, it's it, it's it's one of those fundamental things that should be included in the training for that week. And I think to come out and say that, and yes, it was only part of his of his quotes, and that, it's just laughable. But I've been a massive critic of him on this podcast for for what he's saying to the media because I think when you try and deflect from a bad team performance, you can only do that so many times, can't you? You can't continuously mm. do it and do it and do it because you become a bit of a laughing stock for it. And like I've said, I think you know the guy is out of his depth with it. I think he's not very good with the media, and I think that's that's really an area of development for him after games and before games. Speaking of laughing stocks, Jesse Lingard, how many chances is he going to get at Manchester United? Because as you said, Fergal, the pack was shuffled last night. He got an opportunity, and he looked incredibly unimpressive. I think would be a fair description of his performances. Surely in the summer he's going to be looking for a move away from United or United are going to be looking to offload him, particularly with Bruno Fernandes coming in. I mean, if he ends up going to the Euros, if Gareth Southgate takes him to the Euros, I'm going to be furious. I think it's probably going to be the latter, that United are going to look to, to ship him out. If you're Jesse Lingard, why would you leave United? He's on a very good wage. Mm-hmm. He's contracted to the club. Um, Pete Hall, who regularly does the podcast, mm-hmm. did a piece this morning for uh, for the Eye, which said this was his 200th appearance last night. I couldn't think of 200 more forgettable appearances. You'd struggle to name half a dozen to a dozen games where you've watched it as a non-Man United fan and gone, he's impressed me with mm. this or this. Um, you associate him with pulling funny faces and yeah, wearing clothes. Exactly. He's just he's, 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 he's emblematic of what Manchester United is at the moment, which is a lack of identity. We don't know what Jesse Lingard is. Manchester United fans don't really know what he is. I know, obviously, United fans are always going to defend him, and they do deserve credit for that, the loyalty they've shown to him and various other players. But he's not Manchester United standard. He never really has been Manchester United standard, and that is not going to change. And Solskjaer will keep giving him chances. But again, as I say, those changes, if I'm Jesse Lingard, I would be thinking, this shows where I am in this squad. I can't get in the Premier League team. I'm one of the Europa League lads now that's being drafted in, like mm. Dalo, like Andres Pereira. Maybe it, maybe that's my position. And if and when a new manager comes in in the summer, they're only going to take a harder line with him and say, if you're in the Europa League team last season, you're in the you're in the Carabao or I don't know the Dairy Milk Cup or whatever it'll be <laughs> next next year. So the writing's on the wall. Carry the water bottles. But but generally speaking, footballers don't always think like this. He'll be looking at it and going, I'm on a fantastic contract. Mm-hmm. You want me out? Find someone to buy me. Mm-hmm. And that, that also then brings with it the heavy weight of finding another club that will pay quite big wages. And there is a value for players, even if they're not playing, being associated with Manchester United. If you are looking at it from, I'm not saying Jesse Lingard is for a moment, looking at it from a Instagram point of view or a marketing point of view, just being able to pull on a Manchester United shirt has a value in it. Of course, and I think he's he's built that. That's pro- that's what potentially will get his move away. If he was performing at this level for Everton or even Sheffield United or, or someone that's around that area of the Europa League sides, he wouldn't be being spoke of in, in this way. He wouldn't be being linked 
yes, we're all shocked with the moves that he's being linked with, but he wouldn't even be linked with their moves mm. if he wasn't wearing a Manchester United jersey. Mm. Let's move on to Olympiacos versus Arsenal. Arsenal getting an away goal in a win at Greece. A difficult place to go, as we always say. It was your boy again that stole the limelight last night, Fergal. Bakayo Saka, looking like a real star for Mikel Arteta. Yeah, um, obviously at the start of the season, there was a, a group of young players that came through. He was the one that I kind of earmarked to say I, I really like the look of him. And I think it comes down to something very basic and Arteta touched on this in his in his post-match interview. He's, he's first and foremost a very good footballer mm-hmm. in terms of he's playing left-back at the moment. That's due to Kieran Tierney's injury and the fact that Said Kolasinac, despite the fact that he looks like a, a bouncer, he can't tackle. Mm-hmm. He's actually frightened of tackling people. Um, and Saka's just so good, tight areas with the ball at his feet and... Yeah, he has been really, really impressive at left-back. I'd like to see him a little bit further up the pitch, but everything about him is moving in the right direction. But worryingly, and I've got one eye looking across the table here, and Steve's actually got notes on Bukayo Saka. So that only means <laughs> one thing, and that means that either Mr McNaughton or Herr Klopp is, is getting interested in him. Yeah, yeah I think you know he's, he's been, for me, a one of the beacons of hope in what's, what's been a season of transition for Arsenal and the season of... I think mild disappointment if we're going to be totally honest about it. Um, very inter- His contract situation is very interesting. Um, he's 18. It's vital. He's got the right people around him, I think, at this age. Um, he, his numbers are good. His versatility is really good. He's, he, I mean, the, the assist at the weekend against yep. Newcastle. Love that creativity. Love that kind of vision. And um, he's quite rightly, he's, he's got suitors um, who will be kind of saying this guy is, you know, stalling on his Arsenal contract or a, or a new contract that's on offer. And the vultures will, will be circling, I think, Fergal. And I think um, it's interesting <laughs> with Liverpool because, we, you know, we, we do like young players like that. You know, we've signed Harvey Elliott in the past. and we've you In know, terms of playing style as well, he yeah. feels quite Liverpool, doesn't he? He does, yeah. You know, he's very kind of aggressive. He's kind of fast. He's pacey. He's skillful. All right, all right. And, uh, yeah, Fer- <laughs> I've just seen like Fergal's uh, You know, our listeners haven't got the benefit of me seeing, you know, Fergal crumble next to me. Um, but it's uh, I-, I wouldn't be surprised if we did go in, you know, and for him and, tr- and try and snap him up when that contract's, you know, run down and, and it's settled by a tribunal. Um because he does fit the mould. The problem Liverpool have got, though, and I've and I put this in my notes here as well, is that players are going to be thinking about the game time at Liverpool that they, they mm. could potentially get. He's going to start games for Arsenal, isn't he, yeah. Fergal? Yeah. You know, and, that, and I think that's a big thing for a young guy because he's getting on the pitch at the Emirates, there's 60,000 people watching him every weekend. Um, and that's a big thing, yeah. I think, whereas at Liverpool... <laughs> He's going to be playing in the under-23s a lot. And we know what Arteta has done for player development at Manchester City. There'll be Arsenal players, those young players coming through that will be looking at that and looking at the work that Arteta did with the likes of Raheem Sterling and going, well, this guy staying here could help my development as an Absolutely, individual player. Yeah. But I think the, 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 you know, the other side of that is that Klopp, Klopp is a, a really, really strong man-manager. you know. So And he does spin them plates and manage to keep people happy, I think. It's interesting that Arsenal have been playing him at left back. I think as Liverpool are in the market for for cover for Andy Robertson um, uh, at left back this summer. I'd like to see him further forward, like Fergus yeah. says. Though I think he's got a lot more to offer in in a wing back position, or or you know, depending on the formation, or an out and out you know winger. Um, it, it's a watch this space, but he's got to be prepared. I think if he comes to Liverpool, to not get as much game time as he get at Arsenal, which is you know the whole team Werner question, isn't it at the minute yeah. as well. Um, because it's an extremely successful team, but it does not just Liverpool after him. But, but I am a big fan of him, and and yeah. and, he, and he's English as well, and he could be potential wild card for summer. If I was an Arsenal fan at the moment, I'd be feeling relatively positive. 
based on what appears to be a burgeoning team unity at the club. And Lacazette scored again yep. last night. He scored against Newcastle for the first time in ages, nine games or yep. something along Just those lines. His first goal under Arteta. And Arteta praised <clears throat> the team mentality and the way they'd encouraged Lacazette and getting his mentality right and getting scoring again, which is something we've not seen at Arsenal for a while. It's always felt like a club of division and negativity, but there seems to be a atmosphere being generated that has got to bode well for the future of the team. Of course, and I think Arteta has been the, the fundamental in all of that. Every single player, when they've on media duty and they've spoken about what exactly is it that Arteta has done, and you know we've discussed Arsenal fans potentially going, well, the results haven't been amazing. Yes, we've been so- more solid, and yes, there's been some positive things. But I think that's the big takeaway from his first, first two months at the club. Mm. I think the interesting point and something that the senior players need to look at is that this team unity is being generated and maintained by the younger players. Mm. It's the younger players. You've just mentioned it there with Lacazette. It's the likes of Bukayo Saka, Gwenduzi, Joe Willock that are actually driving Alexander Lacazette on to, to score goals against Newcastle when mm. in reality it should be the other way around. I'm more of the school of thought is it doesn't matter. You know, you can be a 19 or 20-year-old and be, be captain of a team. But for me, it still demonstrates that the senior players or certain senior, <coughs> Ozil, are part of the issue at Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. And I think if Arteta is going to continue on this idea of it's all about the team, it's all about the team, then in the summer he's got some big decisions to make. I just hope he's confident enough to back himself and go, look, here's the demonstration of if you let me have these young players with a scattering of experience, then we can go somewhere. But you, you and you, you're not helping that. You're pulling us in the opposite direction. Let's move on because it was a largely forgettable game in general. Yeah. Decent result though, that you know, like it, like you know, Olympiacos, very difficult place yeah. to go. Um, another, United, another would, United would have yeah. wanted that, you know, and one I think, the way. I, I, you know, when I seen that, I thought Ferdus. Yes, it took to the. I think it was the eighty-first minute or yeah. something. Like, wasn't it, to get a breakthrough. They'll take that because they'll go back to the Emirates and they'll probably kind of give it them at the Emirates. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, United all. Are, think their results are decent as well. Mm. I mean, they'll, they'll expect to win that at Old Trafford. So neither of those teams will be in any trouble for the second leg. And Wolves, much less so. They've been impressive in the Premier League and they're being impressive in Europe as well. They put four goals past Espanyol, who have been having a torrid time in La Liga, but certainly until at least the second goal went in, were looking impressive against Wolves mm-hmm. in that game as well. And a lot of the credit has to go to Diogo Jota, who scored a hat-trick last night. Nice goals as well. Yeah. yeah, and it's been part of the secret to Wolves' mm-hmm. success this season is having two strikers, both reasonably similar, who have been in amongst the goals this season in Jota and Jimenez. Mm. Yeah, I think when, with Jota, he's the type of player that, because so much of the attention is on Jimenez and the people that are talking about his record and the potential that he might move on, etc, etc. Everyone forgets Jota. He's linked with Arsenal in the summer. He was linked with Liverpool as mm-hmm. well. He's a brilliant player and he, and he slots into that Wolves system so well. Yeah, obviously, as you say, Espanyol have had issues. They're on their third manager so far this season, which is which is difficult by anybody's mm. standards. But Wolves absolutely took them apart. Absolutely took them mm. apart. And Espanyol are not a European powerhouse by any stretch, but they've played far more European football than Wolves have in the last decade. They've played far more top, fo- top flight football than Wolves have in the last decade. And Wolves made them look absolutely second rate because, you know, we mentioned it with Arsenal before, this idea of team unity tactically, mentality. They've got all of that. They've got characters like Connor Cody at the back mm. who make sure that standards don't drop. They've got players right the way through the team with experience. Jean Moutinho, someone who never gets talked about. He never gives the ball away. Bags of experience, helps the young players around him. And then you've got two guys at the top of the team, Jimenez and Jota, who get goals and create things. They're a, they're a brilliant, brilliant unit. And I think last night, 
the other teams in the last 32 that will be looking at Arsenal or Man United or some of the other big sides from across Europe and going, they're going to go on and win this. Wolves have now pushed themselves into that conversation. Do we need to start giving Nuno Espirito Santo a bit more credit in terms of player development? Because we talked about Arteta earlier being a developer and Jurgen Klopp and whatnot. And you look at the players that Wolves have got at the moment who have come on in the last season, two seasons, <laughs> Neves, Traore, Jota, Jimenez, Boli, Cody... There's some great players who are really playing out their skin at the moment. And you have to look at the manager and go, well, you're getting a reaction out of those individuals. I think Nuno's done a tremendous job at Wolves. And uh, and I, don't, I didn't say it then, but I think Arteta's doing a really good job at Arsenal. You know, relatively young coaches kind of changing the mould and doing things a bit different from the kind of Roy Hodgson's of this world and you know, <laughs> people like that. And, you know, an interesting fact as well around this is that Wolves, it was Wolves' 13th win in the Europa League this season. Yeah. Not, not many teams are going to want to play them, like you say, no. you know, because I think they're, they're a sneaky outside bet, you know, to, yeah. to, to do it, mate. And I think Wolves, everything's neat and tidy at Wolves. It's a very tight unit, like you said. There's nothing really breaks ranks at mm. Wolves because none of us really know what goes on in no. there. It's, it's everyone, one hymn sheet for, for, for the management, you know, the board, the players and the fans and everyone is going in one direction and they're going to be in Europe again uh, next season, which means that there's a bit of continuity in that and they're getting a bit of momentum doing it. I mean, you wouldn't back back them, you know, not to get that fourth spot or potentially a fifth spot with what's going on at the minute. And um, I, I think it's a, it's so refreshing. And I know we had the guy on a little while ago on the podcast, didn't we, from, from who does the Wolves one. And I'm delighted for them and their mm. fans. Solid club, and and long may it continue because they're a breath of fresh air, and they've got players in there who are, you know, I mean, we talked about all the names that you mentioned. They've got people like you know Dendonka coming off the bench, and yeah. and you know Triori's kind of setting you know goals up last night and stuff like that. So everything's dead positive, and I think you know teams like Man United can look at Wolves and just go, you know what, this is the, the level that, that yeah. we need to be kind of aiming at because. I reckon Wolves would have beat Bruges last night. I think they'd have gone there and got a result myself. Yeah. You've got to remember, they've done what they've done this season in Europa and the Premier League without one of their key defenders as well. And Willy Bully was fantastic last night and was fantastic in the Premier League this weekend. I mean, take note, Manchester City, you're losing a key t- defender and you're still performing at an incredibly high level. Yeah. Superb, and the manager deserves all the credit in the world. Uh, If you haven't watched the highlights, you didn't watch the game, make sure you do check them out because Neves scores an absolute peach of a goal. And also there's a brilliant moment involving Rue Patricio. There's a really high back pass, which he tries to then (laughs) volley away, misses it completely, loses control of the ball, the striker hits it, and there's a fantastic reaction save from the keeper. It's like brilliant and terrible all in one. It's well worth it. Rene Aguisa all over again. (laughs) Get online and check it out anyway. Before we move on from Wolves, I just want to mention one thing because yesterday we were talking on the podcast about the beast that is Adama Traore and apparently he's been approached by the NFL (laughs) to play his football, the wrong kind of football in America once his right kind of football days in the UK ends. We've had a response on that on Twitter from at James Ellis Radio, who says, in response to your could Adama Traore make it in the NFL, even though he's a beast, I don't think he'd even make practice squads. People like Christian Wade, a former rugby league player who scored a touchdown in pre-season back in August 19, didn't make the cut. So if you were listening yesterday and you're wondering whether Adama Traore might make the switch to the NFL, someone who knows more about NFL than clearly we do, says no, not a chance. So we'll leave that one there. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for your feedback. Uh, Right, we'll be back in a minute. We're going to talk about Raheem Sterling, who is looking at Real Madrid and fluttering his eyes attractively at the moment as Manchester City face a ban from the Champions League. And we'll get your fancy football advice with the guru 
That's coming up next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily with German Doner Kebab. Find your nearest GDK restaurants at germandonerkebab.com. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. We know that Manchester City have got a ban from the Champions League for the next two seasons if it's upheld. We know that Pep Guardiola has said he will stay with the club no matter what happens, even if they get relegated to Division 2. But what about the players? Well, Raheem Sterling has been talking about Real Madrid and he said something that's caused some speculation uh, concerning where he sees his future at the club. Obviously, Manchester City play Real Madrid in the Champions League next week, and he described Real Madrid, when questioned, as a fantastic club, which some people are interpreting as him courting a move away from City, just in case that Champions League ban does stick and doesn't get overturned. Is this just people making a story out of an off-the-cuff comment, or do you think Sterling might be eyeing a future away from the Etihad? I think it is probably just an off-the-cuff comment, but... Given the context of the situation and their ban, I don't think it's very wise to even be getting involved in Mm. any of these things. You should just be focusing on your own team, focusing on making sure you're fit for the game next week. First and foremost, he's probably not going to play against Leicester this weekend. Um, I don't really think at this stage there's much more to it. But again, speculation is going to grow and grow and grow in the the weeks and the months to come. And we've chatted obviously about the Manchester City ban a lot on the podcast. Mm. This is not over by a long shot. This could drag on for a year plus before any of it is resolved or any big decisions are made. But, and I know Steve's probably dying to get in on this, Raheem Sterling, you know, don't be handing out lessons on loyalty when it comes when it comes to his future because he's not someone that has consistently proved himself to be overly loyal to his club or his mm. employers. Yes, Manchester City have done a lot for him. Yeah, I think he's grateful. And I think he's grateful for Guardiola bringing his game on a level or two. Mm. But that doesn't necessarily guarantee any more than a thanks very much. However, yeah, I, I agree. I think... Uh, this, he has got previous uh, because obviously when his head got turned by Man City yeah. when he was at Liverpool he couldn't get out there fast enough and obviously you know 50 million he ran uh, he ran later, up the M62 he literally ran up the M62 he's <laughs> talking about Steve climbing the Liver building that's his <laughs> yeah. next challenge how many times did he fall over along the way though I, he um, you know relatively small money when you think about his kind of you know his, his uh, progression since he's joined Man City mm. but uh, for me there's, there's there's two things here and and I've not spoke about it because I've not been on the podcast for a week or so you don't do that when the the, the political turmoil is ha- is happening mm. at the club at the minute. That's the time to when you know you're batting down the hatches, don't you? Yep. And, and everyone kind he of he was big enough together. Zidane as well and calling Zidane a natural winner. It's which just is, it's kind of like that step beyond what as you say. Just, what maybe just you should unnecessary. Be doing. Just unnecessary. That you know it's a siege mentality at Man City at the minute because they're, they're under attack from you know from yep. UEFA and they've been dealt a punishment that is. Um, well, it certainly raised a few eyebrows, didn't it, when it came out at about uh, six o'clock last Friday night, mm-hmm. didn't it? You know what I mean? And um, first and foremost for me, I don't think it's going to stick the ban anyway. I think Man City will, will get it overturned. I agree. Um, I think so. The board seem very confident that that will happen because they, see, they think they've got some irrefutable evidence that they can present that will make it happen. But that's a different story. Um, that should inspire confidence in the players to go, listen, it's business as usual. It's challenging for the Champions League. It's challenging for for the Premier League and and, and all the other domestic honours that they win. Let's not kind of be putting these comments out there when when you know we're under attack at the minute. Um, and it, it's you know Raheem has got form for that, like I say. And I think if he if he kind of carries up carries on with the game of of saying you know Zidane's a natural winner and you know it's a fantastic club and and all this. Bye. See you later. I mean, we say that Raheem Sterling has got no loyalty <clears throat> in. 
general football loyalty isn't a thing. And if Liverpool were in a situation where they were banned for the Champions League for two seasons, you wouldn't see the likes of Virgil van Dijk or Mo Salah for dust. They'd be out the door because players have short careers. The best ones want to play at the highest mm-hmm. levels. So if your club is... And it should be no surprise to City that if the ban does stick, if they can't play in the Champions League for two seasons, as would be the situation at any other club in the country, your best players will leave because your best players want to play at the highest level. I think... I think he's, I know it's upsetting you, the no, idea of Virgil van Dijk leaving. That, uh, <laughs> I think that every case is individual and I think it depends on what kind of sweeteners were put in place for the loyalty uh, to do that. And, you know, money talks in football and I think... If if you know they kind of said to you know to some of their guys you know here's a bit of extra cash to kind of stick around stick with the project and help us play through this, um, but it's hard for me to envisage it because I don't think it's a thing. I don't th- I think it's going to fall down at the first hurdle yep. when it gets to the court of arbitration for sport. Yep. I think they're going to turn around and go actually that's that's far too um, you know severe. Which the they've got form for, for as which, well. Which yeah. they've got form for. Yep. Which I think UEFA are kind of expecting, which is why they've put such a severe punishment in place. Yeah. Because they know it's going to get knocked down. I think the worst case scenario for City here is is that it gets halved, and that still would not be yeah. ideal for them. Mm. Um, but I think you know, and, and without getting on the can of soapbox too much, because we're not talking about that, it's whatever happens, that finger's always going to be pointed now, isn't it? You know, what I mean that they've done it a couple, of, they've been caught a couple of times doing it, and and they've tried to get around the system. But player loyalty, I think you know, it, it, it is it comes down to money. I think more than anything these days. Uh, Daily Mail are reporting today, by the way, that there is no financial pressure to sell any players for Manchester City's, but that doesn't really affect what players want to do. And at the end of the day, they have all the power. There's another story I want to mention very quickly. It's in the Telegraph. Uh, Manchester City are yet to sell out their most expensive tickets for the Caribou Cup final with Aston Villa. That's at the beginning of March. Now, I don't like slagging off clubs, and I know City get a lot of grief, particularly for not selling out games and the old empty ad Mm. jibes and the West Ham game at the in the week was particularly empty there were a lot of blue seats Especially on show they're putting out 54,000 that are as well <laughs> well it's the way any football club counts season ticket holders as an attendee it doesn't matter whether you turn up or not if you have a season ticket you're classed as being there which is why those those figures were slightly false but at the same time it's a final it's at Wembley You'd expect them to sell out their allocation and sell it out quickly, wouldn't you? Even if it's Manchester City, even if they've had a lot of finals recently, it's still a final. It is, of course. And when you look at the, the numbers, and, and and obviously you are right when you say it is still a final. I think the biggest issue here is the continued devaluation, devaluation of this competition. We, we've chatted about this quite a few times, and I actually think that in the last season, two seasons the League Cup's had a bit of a revival in terms of that it's a lot more exciting than it used to be. Mm. And the FA Cup, for me, has become a bit of a drag. Mm. I know, obviously, that's always going to have its prestige, but the games, the quality of games that you get are not as exciting as, as they used to be. And that's kind of been taken over by a reformatted League Cup. But it just demonstrates the priorities of fans, the fi- priorities of clubs in terms of these things. And to be honest with you, there's a very simple way that City could deal with this. Reduce ticket prices. Mm-hmm put on travel from Manchester to London, there and back. We've already seen that there's an issue with the last train, as there always is, the last train out of London, back to Manchester, back to Liverpool, Leeds, you know, et cetera, et cetera. City could solve this. Now, I understand that they're trying to G up support and and make sure they've got a load of fans there, but you've got within your power very easily the ability to change that. So kind of play... They don't price the tickets today. Manchester City wouldn't be pricing the tickets for Wembley. 
They could no, subsidise no, but, them, that's I guess. Mean, that's, but they could subsidise okay. it and they could lay on travel. And, and, you know, to be given the poor mouth, particularly when you've been caught in the last couple of weeks demonstrating <laughs> if there's one thing you're not sure of, it's money. <laughs> um, and I think this will be demonstrated by Villa. Villa will be dying to get there. And this is a team that is battling with relegation. But what I really don't want to happen is the narrative of, oh, this is their cup final, you know, kind of belittling Aston Villa, when mm. in reality, both sets of fans should be there in numbers and both sets of clubs, if that's not the case, should be pulling their weight as their responsibility to make sure that that is the case. Mm. I just think it's... I think they're, they're a funny set of fans, Man City fans, I think. It, you know, it's... This kind of... Careful, Steve. Uh, <laughs> this... this Oh, I mean, it's just completely alien to me, you know, as, as a Liverpool supporter, because like, you know, we've, we've got bloody thousands upon thousands upon thousands on waiting lists and stuff mm. like that, you know, to get tickets. And I don't get this this reluctance to go along and support the team. I think, um, you know, I was I was talking to one of them and I said, what are you going to do if you're in the Champions League this season? He says, yeah, I'm, I'm not asked." It's like, come on, mate, you are. Mm. Biggest, biggest, you know, prize in, in world football yeah. on a club level course you're bothered about are you way for a corrupt and all this it's like right okay um but i don't get the fact that they're not turning up and they're doing stuff like you know turning the backs on champions league games and stuff like that i, I just don't understand it because the sense of joy that i get from watching my own team mm. uh, you know at anfield or, or away when possible um it's it's phenomenal and and you know the feelings that that generates inside it supersedes me, everything else. I it mean, does and seeing the lads on the pitch go out and do it, and especially at the time that we're in as, with my club now, I couldn't think of anything better. Now West Ham are going to rock up at the Etihad on Monday, or did rock up on the Etihad on Monday night. The chance, I mean, two nil was the lowest scoreline I thought it was going to be. I thought I was expecting a four or five nil, hmm. and it's an Should opportunity to go and see some of the best footballers in the world do the stuff on the pitch at a local level for, for you. And I don't understand why why they don't go. I think we have to remember slightly about Man City, and I'll do my best to defend them here, is the Standard. fact that <laughs> they've, the, they've a, they're a club that has grown exponentially and massively quicker than any other club, probably in footballing history. So the fan base hasn't grown as it has with a Liverpool or a Manchester United, which has developed over 10, 20 years. And as much as Man City fans like to think they are a big club, and they are a big club, they still have a relatively small fan base. Also, the way that fan base is constructed, it's kind of, you've got this new generation of fans, these 15, 16-year-olds who are going to games but can't afford to go to that many games. And then the rest of the fan base is, in general, a little bit older. And when you're a little bit older, you do have a life outside football. You have other commitments. You have family occasions you have to go to. You can't just, like for the Wednesday night game, for example, that was rearranged with seven days notice, slap bang in the middle of the week, terrible weather, people have work. So there are different circumstances surrounding Manchester City as there are surrounding other clubs. But that said, I agree with you. I find it very difficult to understand why for a final at Wembley, you it's it's, un, it's unheard of, you know. If, if Coventry City were in that final, no. they they be asking for more allocation. I you remember know trying I mean? to get tickets for the West Ham playoff final yeah, a few yeah, years no, back, and it being absolutely it's impossible. a real opportunity for football fans to have a great day out at Wembley, which it is. Whether win win or lose, it is a fantastic day out. Mm. You know, you travel down there, camaraderie yep. with the other supporters. You're eating outside the grounds. You're having a couple of beers if if you drink. And you know the vibe is kind of bubbling away, isn't it? And it's it they're, they're the things that make memories, and you know and they're the things that you look back at with family members and go, oh, you know, when we went to Wembley in you know 2020 and we beat Aston Villa, you know, three nil or whatever, and and you know you get your pictures and you put them on your social media and stuff like that because that's the world we live in nowadays. And 
I don't understand the reluctance to, to go on that journey, you know what I mean, and do it as a football fan. And as and football fans these days are incredibly passionate yeah. because of the advent of social media and the fact that they can vocalise how they feel on mm. social media about it. And I, I don't know, it's just like like I said before, it's just it's so alien to me as a, as a Liverpool fan that that we discuss a matter like this because I just it just doesn't compute with me mm. um, because it would just never in a million years happen with my football club. So, But I think that's the important thing. And when, when you look at the situation, the kind of rallying call from Guardiola from the club in the last week has been siege mentality, um, almost peak Ferguson. If this had happened under Alex Ferguson's Manchester United, Arsene Wenger's Arsenal, or even now Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool, the fans would be the opposite. They would be as obtuse and as in your face and as 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 present as they possibly could be to fight against this ban, I'm all all in favour of it. Shouldn't be fan on fan and saying if you're not going to the game, you're not a real fan because we've got no idea of why an individual isn't mm. able to go to that game. There could be a million oh, reasons. Yeah, so many factors. But, yeah. but the reality is, you've just received a UEFA ban. You like Manchester City fans are, are used to one thing in the last few seasons, and that's United, Arsenal, Liverpool, etc., mocking them for being new wave and blah 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 blah. Here's your opportunity to say, no, we're not just in it for the Champions League nights that we never have in, had in the 90s or the noughties. We're here for everything because that's what Manchester City is all about. We're here for the games that, you know, Liverpool and Manchester United fans might not turn up for, which isn't the case. West Ham at home on a, on a Premier League night is one of them. And a Carabao Cup final at Wembley is definitely one of them. If you're in the business of changing perceptions of your fan base as a little bit fair weather and a little bit new wave, then not filling out your t- ticket allocation for a final and not showing out on force for a Premier League game, it's just not good enough. Now is the option, the opportunity to do that and show that you're exactly. not fair weather. It is, yeah, absolutely. Right. It's time to get our fantasy football advice from our very own FPL guru, Kieran Howley. Welcome, guru. <laughs> you're right. What have you been spending your week doing? Meditating um, on top of the Himalayas? <laughs> <laughs> I spent literal days trying to figure out what I'm going to do with Son's injury. Yeah, well, that's... It- Whilst in the Himalayas or not? <laughs> yeah, in a, in a state of mind that's around the Himalayas. Mourinho could really take some advice from you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, funnily enough, that's where we're going to start. We've got some questions for you, as always. If you've got a question for the guru, you need some fancy football advice, you can get that via our Twitter account, at The Sports Social. So we're going to kick off with Tommy, who says, No, son, what do I do? Who's my go-to replacement? I'm considering Lucas Mora as I think his game time is going to increase over the next few weeks. A lot of people are going to be asking this question, Kieran. What do you do without Son? Where do you spend that money? <sighs> Who knows? It's such a difficult... I spent days literally moving between players, trying to decide where to where to make this um, sort of transfer switch. The problem is no one's really is doing as good as him. Mm. Uh, I said last week, because like, I love having Son, but he's always away from a red card or an injury, and you're going to have to redistribute your entire team because no one else is really that good at about 10 or you've already got them um so easy if you've got money to spare shift to Mane, Salah or KDB uh KDB is about the same price really Kevin De Bruyne is the same price as Son in the game yeah both 10 wow uh Son chips up with all the goals does no assists uh KDB exactly the other way goal and assist Um, yeah well yeah KDB I think he's highest for his goals I think this season uh, so normally, but uh, KDB nowhere near the top of the charts for um, shots in the box or shots on target, um, but topping the charts for um, assists. And Son second for shots in the box. 
Uh, Salah's the only player beating him at the moment in the midfield bracket. I've already got Salah, I've already got KDB, so I'm left in a mire so where of you going? mediocre midfielders <laughs> strung around that I've been uh, obsessively analysing over the last couple of days. I'm not even happy with my choice and I made it this morning. I feel like I'm just going to go for something at the moment. But in a really tricky way... Even, Are you going to tell us who it is? Yeah, yeah, I will. I will. <laughs> but even we, we have good performers who have terrible fixtures or we have teams going into blank game weeks. Yeah. Uh, so next week we've got... Um, Arsenal, Aston Villa, Man City and Sheffield United all not playing. And so even players you bring in, you have to consider that you're not going to get any points from the following week. So you've got Richarlison, who's doing great for numbers. Mm. His next fixtures, Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool and Norwich. So not going to go anywhere near him. Uh, Grealish doing great for shots, doing great for assists. Uh, Blank game week, so you're not going to get any points for him next week off the back of it. Uh, Barnes and Perez are doing all right for numbers, but I have City this week. But then did go did, did go on a decent run. But historically, really patchy players. So even if they've done well in the last couple, doesn't mean they're going to do anything no. for you in the next few. I'm not feeling any of these so far. And then you're going, well, we're, we haven't got Sun. Is there another Spurs player? Uh, Ali's doing good for numbers. Mora's are probably going to step up and sit in that um, ahead of the false nine position. But does anyone think Spurs are going to score without Kane or Son in? On a regular basis, are they just going to go super defensive yep. and do the Marino play? So not really good options across any of those. I've gone for Martial. <laughs> just because I think um, that United finally have a good player behind him to actually feed and assist. Uh, I keep He's looking quite interesting, Fernandez, but again, not really getting good shot opportunities. But taking but, the corners. Yeah, he's getting a set pieces. Although Fred started taking set pieces at the start and then common sense struck and then they brought Fernandez on it. Uh, so I was toying between the two, but just having Martial at the head and showing uh, in his last game that he can chip in a goal even when he's playing utter <laughs> I think uh, there's still opportunity in there. Like I say, I'm not 100% happy with my choice. Well, it took a long time to get there, but that's kind of, <laughs> kind of middling advice at the yeah. end of the day. All right, let's go on to Bex's question. You kind of hinted at this already with the blank game weeks, but Bex says with Real Madrid next week and then the Caribou Cup final, I'm thinking Pep Guardiola might rotate his team in the league. Should I stick with my City players or move the money elsewhere? I guess it's for most people, it's going to be Aguero and KDB are the main issues here. Yeah, either of those players I'd be tempted to stick with only because they, they tend to ride out the fixture congestion. I wouldn't go anywhere near anyone else. Maris is looking more attractive than usual because um, Sané and Sterling are both out. Right. So he's more guaranteed a place. But even last game, you saw uh, Jesus and uh, Bernardo Silva taking his position. So even when there are very few options, he's not guaranteed so you a game. keep him in for the blank game week then? It, it depends on the overall distribution of your team. So okay. if you're looking at you're not going to roll 11 because you've got three sets of players in and you've got one from Sheffield or Villa from elsewhere, then you're going to have to make choices. I would drop a City player. Like myself, I've only got two City players. Everyone else in my team is playing. So I'm going to keep both of them. Okay. Final question is from Greg, who says, I can see Arsenal's season turning around. You're about the only person who can, Greg. (laughs) Who would be a good midfield option to bring in from the Gunners? And I can't afford Pepe. Uh, well, there is no one else. That's the okay. short question. <laughs> so I took too long in the first. This is a very short answer. You're seeing someone something that no one else can. Uh, the numbers aren't even that good for Pepe. There are absolutely zero performers elsewhere in the midfield for Arsenal. Uh, Aubameyang's worth a shout, but I wouldn't touch. Hey, listen, Shaka likes shooting. He's just not very good at it. All right. He also loves red cards. Yeah, I don't know which he prefers. To be honest, right. there you go. Stay clear of the Gunners, Guru. Thank you very much for your fantasy football advice. Thank you.
And thank you, boys, for today's podcast. Cheers, Steve. Cheers, Fergal. Uh, if you want to pick up the next podcast, click subscribe, a full preview of the weekend's actions. That'll be out tomorrow morning. If you click subscribe, we'll let you know as soon as it's ready. We'll see you next time on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily with GDK. Taste the difference with our quality ingredients and lean succulent beef. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.